0: way to wonder
1: welcome to the Money Better podcast brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln Nebraska get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. instead let's get real about the lessons others have learned then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host Caitlin Moore let's chat. Well, welcome to a new season of Money Better. I'm Katie Moore, your host, and we're doing things a little bit different this season. Today, my guests are with me in UBT Studio 48 in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it's so nice to actually see my guests as we continue to have great conversations about doing money better. I have three guests with me today, and I'll introduce them clockwise. Sitting to my left at our roundtable discussion is Kate Staus. She's the Assistant Vice President in Customer Experience here at UBT, She's been with us for eight years. She's with us today to talk through personal experience with financial insecurities and how she overcame that through a strong budgeting plan. Welcome back to Money Better. Kate, uh, can you give us a couple of fun facts about you? Sure. Thanks for having me back.
0: I'm glad I didn't uh, burn my bridges here. (laughs) So I don't know. I guess uh, the fun fact that comes to mind is that I love Harry Potter so much so that my cat's names are Neville and Luna. And um, they do have their own budgeting
1: category in our personal budget, so. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. So next up in front of me is Camille Sass. She is a licensed independent mental health practitioner. She uses her counseling skills to heal people from all levels of trauma. Additionally, Camille really enjoys helping people improve their self-esteem, depression, anxiety, and relationship issues. She works best with kids ages eight and older, teens and adults. So welcome to Money Better, Camille. Can you give us a couple of fun facts about you? Of course. Thank you for
2: having me. Um, I would say most fun facts about me are I have two horses. Uh, my favorite color is purple and probably my largest aspiration that I'm just now admitting to myself is I would like to
1: hike the Appalachian Trail. How long would that take? Six months. Holy moly. Yes. That's a big commitment. It is. It's large. Well, I hope that dream comes true for you one day. Thank you. So thank you so much for being with us today. Of course. And our third guest to my right is Dr. Sam Dozel. She's the well-being officer here at UBT. She's been with the bank for four years. She's our go-to for anything health and wellness related. She has a passion for supporting others on their journey to a healthier tomorrow. She's an active volunteer in multiple organizations, an adjunct instructor at Nebraska Wesleyan University, and she teaches fitness classes and personal training. So, Thank you so much for returning back to Money Better.
3: So excited to be here, Caitlin. Yeah. When can you we... give
1: us a couple of fun facts about you?
3: For sure. My favorite dessert are brownies. My birthday was actually a few days ago, and someone left a box of cosmic brownies on my desk. Totally made my day. And I enjoy long walks with our two many Aussies. And for Christmas, I got a belt to actually walk said dog so I can keep my hands warm.
1: Nice. Like a dog walker belt. Yes. How many Aussies do you have?
3: Two. They were any larger, they would be pulling me around, but this actually works out fairly well.
1: Is that like a core workout though? When you have a belt on?
3: Kind of. It helps when they go the same direction.
1: (laughs) That would probably be a good point. It's helpful. (laughs) Well, thank you all for being with us today. Um, Today, we are talking about taking the shame out of your financial game, and we want to focus on money, shame, and our relationships with others when it comes to money. So I want to start with Kate, and because she is here to kind of share more of a personal perspective of money and shame, um, could you just start us off by telling a little bit about how shame has played a role in your finances? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we're just jumping right into therapy here today. (laughs) Well, I would say,
0: um, you know, I think... Shame and money kind of, well, money like reveals a lot about our hearts. And I think growing up, I grew up in a very shame based household, like there's someone to blame for anything that goes wrong. And so when you kind of get married to somebody and you're talking about your finances, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Someone, like, if something goes wrong with your finances, like, someone is to blame. And so that made it really difficult early on when we were married to, like, even have discussions about, like, oh, why are we, like, running out of money by the end of the month? And, like, whose fault is it? And so I know I personally would just, like, avoid those conversations because I felt so much shame and worry that, like, oh, I'm going to get blamed for this. And, like, it wasn't anything necessarily that my husband did. To get that going, it was just like the own internal stories from my childhood
1: of it's somebody's fault. Like, so did you know that right away, or was it something you had to discover later? Okay, no idea. So, you didn't even know that you came from like a shame
3: background Mm -hmm. with money.
0: Um, I mean, I think I knew that there was a lot of shame in my background just because I think that's really typical in some religious communities, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I realized how that impacted like just even the basics of. Managing a budget
1: or not managing the budget rather. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely relate to that. So I want to hear from Camille, though, on a therapeutic level. Do you see this a lot with shame and money? Oh, for sure. Um, I, for example, I've just started my
2: private practice. And so I have to have people pay every day. And I'm the one. I no longer have a receptionist. So I'm the one that's like, hey, is is your card good? Oh, hey, I actually have to text you after you've left because your card got declined. So I'm having these conversations about money with people that I've never had before, even though I've seen them for years. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of opened up a little bit more of like, oh, we can't do therapy because you can't afford it. And I don't want you to have a $300 bill, $1,000 bill, you know, so it's changed the way I've done things. And so, yeah, definitely. It's a huge topic. That, Do you
1: feel emotions when you ask people for money?
2: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it is It is a combination of probably my own shame and, uh, like, imposter syndrome of, like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I'm a therapist and we've sat here for an hour and we've talked, but but you have to charge me this amount of money for it. And it's like, who that doesn't feel right mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's definitely an emotional process for sure. Yeah. So...
1: My personal experience that was hard to have that conversation with my therapist to pay. So I would always ask her at the beginning, "Oh, like, yep. I, how am I paying you today?" And then we move to Venmo so that I can leave and we never have to have a discussion about it. Because <laughs> I deal with a lot of shame too around money, yep. and like I can imagine from a therapeutic perspective, having the conversation with people that are there to get therapy, yep, is like worlds colliding. Yeah, <laughs> so yep. here's the
0: box of tissues. Can I get your credit card? Like exactly.
2: <laughs> I do love it because the system that I have has their credit card saved in there. So I don't have to do the whole ask and the enter and the mm-hmm. whole thing. And I had to do that last night. Ask actually, cause somebody changed their card. And so it was awkward. I was like complimenting the card that she chose from UBT actually it was the Nebraska one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was just, it's just awkward. So yeah. definitely, definitely
1: a topic. Yeah, definitely. Well, so you're a therapist. So you probably work with couples where you talk about relationships. And then we have Kate over here that's talking about her relationship with her husband and how they combined the money conversation in yep. a sense or how we got over the shame. Before we go any further, I would love to hear your definition as a therapist of what shame means.
2: There's a lot of confusion about that. I have a pretty good answer, I believe, to kind of clarify the difference between shame, guilt, and embarrassment. They're all different levels, and they're not the same thing. So embarrassment is kind of that flush of like, oh, I just referenced something, you know, and it was awkward. Uh, And so a lot of people think that that's kind of a small portion of shame, but it's really not. And you'll understand why when I get to the shame part. Guilt is, oh, um, somebody held the door open for me, and I should probably say thank you. And that's what a lot of people think shame is. It's like, oh, I, I felt so... shameful I did this wrong it's like no shame is I am bad I am this negative thing because this happened this is more evidence that fits in and I love how you said Kate the uh, internal stories kind of that we tell ourselves because that's exactly what it is it's an internal story of I am bad Um, so the way to kind of recognize it because Usually people have these emotions, they have these feelings, and they don't really know what it is. So shame is like in the end, of the, the end of the football game and the coach gets the Gatorade dumped on him. It's just like that except the Gatorade is sludge and it's heavy and it's thick and it feels like everybody can see it. You can't move through it and you can't get it off of you. So that's probably the best example of shame. It just kind of washes over you, and it's nasty.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's probably- So guilt best. is more
1: of an immediate- Yes, short-term, short-term,
2: fast. You can usually alleviate it pretty quickly, and it doesn't hang on you, and you're never going to remember it again.
1: And then shame is long-term. Yep, yep. We make up stories. Yep,
2: and it's it all tends to go back to, I am defective, mm. X, Y, Z. Okay. Whereas guilt's just like, whoop, probably should say thank you or, mm-hmm. oh, that person waited like five minutes for me to get to the door. Like, ooh, thank you so much. Yeah.
0: I've always heard it like guilt is I've done something bad. Yes. I am bad.
3: Yes. That's good. Ooh, that's yep. a good one. I think of the friends who weren't able to do something and say, I'm such a terrible friend. And it's like, no, you had other commitments or you've had other things going on. You aren't a terrible friend. It's just how life works. But they internalize that so much that it's like, how do you go back and how do you tell them, like, it's really okay?
1: Mm -hmm. This is so good. Yeah. Well,
0: and it's like when you've screwed up with your money in the past, not getting stuck in this, like, I'm bad with money, like Mm -hmm. just being like, no, I've made mistakes in the past.
1: But that doesn't mean that I'm incapable of making good choices in the future. Mm -hmm. This just happened to me yesterday. I'm working with a client for coaching and I'd worked with her like five months ago got her finances kind of in order and then she's really kind of just dropped the ball because of the holidays and she said I can't believe this I'm worse off than when I started I'm so terrible at this and so it became not a factual thing it became like this emotional thing to her and so I addressed that like more of the shame aspect of like we're gonna get through it it's fine we got to stick to the facts here but yeah I see that a lot even in coaching financial coaching um speaking of that more of the business aspect. Sam, you work at the bank and you are in our wellness department. So how do you see people deal with shame around money?
3: I think to Kate's example was a lot of people don't realize that's exactly what it is. They feel like this is just part of life. This is part of who I am. And it's something I have to deal with versus, oh, this is something that is actually changeable. I can actually do something about this. But I know going back to the shame money piece is that where does the money come from to pay for helping to get through said shame? And it turns into this vicious cycle of I don't have money to pay for therapy, but I need therapy to work through the shame that I have around said money. And
1: vicious cycle.
3: Exactly. Very (laughs) much so. Very vicious cycle.
1: Gives me heart palpitations. Well, it's
0: like the community. I think it's like you need communication tools because ultimately, like, Money, when you're on your own, is its own thing, but then when any other people, whether it's like friends, roommates, a spouse, get involved, then it becomes like this bigger issue. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have, in addition to like dealing with your own shame, but like good communication tools to work
1: through money issues, then it is an even worse vicious like, cycle. Cool. Yeah, I mean, communication, I think, is the key in this. I'd love to hear from you, Camille, about communication on yes, just money, and especially when it comes to, like, a spouse or a partner situation where money is involved early on. Maybe some tips of how to not get in a rut with money.
2: Yes, start the conversation early in the relationship. I don't mean, like, too early, but, you know,
1: You don't want to scare them away.
2: Right. (laughs) Three to six months in, you start revealing a little bit more about you. Six months to a year, you start revealing more about you. And that is just true in general, but also very true with money. Letting people know, like, you know, this is kind of where I'm at. Or this is kind of how the decisions I make. Because shame shuts people down. So if they have shame about money, they're not going to talk about it. So communication sounds, that's, that's the direction, that's where we wanna go, but how do you get there? Uh, so I talk to people a lot about just 10 seconds of vulnerability is all it takes. You, you don't have to be vulnerable all the time, you don't have to be uh, vulnerable with all the details, 10 seconds of vulnerability to say something along the lines of, I'm having some money troubles, could you pick up dinner tonight? That eases you. Just a little bit, and that starts the conversation going, where that partner can check in and be like, w- "I didn't know about that. What, what are you talking about?" And that's when the communication starts. How did you start it?
1: <laughs> Your sitting I over here with this look on her face, like she's. Well, a lot I'm to just say.
0: having flashbacks because, like, when
1: you know we were dating,
0: my husband um, really put on. Well, how do I want to say this? My husband tried to impress me and would take me out to dinner and he would pay for things and you know I just thought that was something that he wanted to do at the time and then fast forward to like we're getting married and or I realized he might have had maybe some resentment towards me because I just let him pay for everything early on in the early days when we were dating and that actually put a lot of financial strain on him and I think our some parts of our culture where there's all this expectation on men to be chivalrous like create can create that resentment and it was just one of those things where we I didn't really have a real picture of what his financial situation was when we were dating and there were unspoken things that I don't know cause tension between us and so I'm just thinking back like oh if he had been vulnerable with me early on and been like hey like could you pick up dinner because I think probably at the time I might have made more money than him <laughs> um it I mean that could have opened the door to a lot more conversations mm-hmm. that then eventually became explosive later when it was like oh it all came out after 18 months of being together mm-hmm. and realizing like oh you know Maybe he was eating ramen during the week, so he could take me out on a nice date on the weekend, and that would make me feel very guilty, <laughs> right? There's and like, and then bad. oh, I'm to blame, like I'm a bad person because I didn't even offer to pay for. And there's the, date.
2: the jump. There's the jump from guilt to shame. Mm-hmm. Yep, because
1: mm-hmm. you went back in your story and uh-huh. pulled out. Your Not like
0: narrative. oh, I should have offered to pay. I, like
1: should have learned but no I'm a bad person exactly all of the juices are flowing my brain this is so good I just talked to someone who's starting to date someone and they go out all the time and they do things like bullying and just like the fun things and she goes I have to have this conversation with him soon she's like this is getting expensive and it's very early on in their relationship and I'm as a financial coach I'm like yes, have the conversation now or else you guys are going to be in a rut later.
0: Well, now I even think about it with like friend groups of, you know, mm-hmm. as a, you're an adult, like you become a lot more intentional about becoming friends with people. And um, as I'm assessing like, oh, who do I want to pursue as friends? Like money comes into that equation because it's like, oh, I see the way they travel and If I'm expected to travel with the group, am I going to be able to do that? And what happens if I'm not able to do that? Am I going to be on the outside of the group because I can't and they all can? And so I think it starts to bleed into those relationships too. And sadly, like part of me is like, well, maybe I don't want to pursue those people as friends because I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel those feelings around
1: being the have not. Yes. I love that you're saying this. I, I just love it. I feel like that's a very adult thing that we do that nobody talks about. Like if you're assessing relationships based on money, because you don't want to feel the shame if mm-hmm. you have to say, no, I can't go on vacation with you. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's so wise and nobody talks about it. But what what would happen if we actually had those conversations with people to say, I can't go with you on vacation, but I still want to pursue this relationship. Right. <laughs> like are you going to think <laughs> less of me if I can't go? Right. So, and I'm like having feelings right, right now because it's like, oh my gosh, like, I let
0: money get in the way of, like, friendship and connection with people who, like, have so much to offer in terms of being a friend. Yeah. But who I'm afraid, like, just way out earn me.
3: Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't realize either. I was in a wedding and the gal kept, okay, we're going to go on this trip and we're going to do this. And I finally said, okay, look, at some point we have to be done. I don't think you realize, like, our hotel was this and our dresses were this amount and now you're asking for shoes. And she goes, oh. I guess I never looked at the cost for you. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, so you are asking us to put all this money in and this time and taking off work. And you never looked at the cost mm-hmm. for us. And there were some folks in there who were really struggling. I mean, there was one gal who just told her, I can't buy the bridesmaid's dress. Mm-hmm. So I can't be in your wedding because I can't afford a $300 dress. That,
1: I'm, thank you for bringing this up because I think that that's so early on. Like our, our, audience that's in college or getting out of college where everyone's getting married, but they're broke. I mean, they're getting their first jobs and like, how do you have these conversations or do you? And then like, what do you do if you can't, what if you, I, I just can't imagine telling someone, I can't be in your wedding because I can't afford the dress. And I can't imagine being the bride hearing that. Mm-hmm. Like that would create a lot of emotions for me to be like, Oh my
3: gosh. And we're a week or two out from the wedding when the gal finally told her because she felt so terrible Mm -hmm. about telling her. Mm -hmm. And the bride was like, of course, it's totally fine. Like, we'll figure something else out. But we're now only two weeks out from the wedding because at that time, the bridesmaid Mm -hmm. was so shameful about having that conversation that she just waited, Mm -hmm. tried to get the money together, couldn't, and finally just told her, I can't. And then it was just a major struggle for everybody to try and coordinate now either A, new dresses for everybody or how do we find a somewhat matching dress for you? Or do we pull you out of the bridesmaid lineup?
0: Mm-hmm. I want like, to th- talk about like why is it so hard for us to have these conversations? Because I feel like there is a barrier and it's like, mm-hmm.
1: what's driving that? Do you think it's a, like an American thing? I was
2: just going to say, culture thing? it's societal. Okay. You, you don't put your camper behind your house. You put your camper in the front of the house so the neighbors know you got one. You don't buy a car that can get you just from point A to point B. You stretch your money and you try to get as much from the bank so that you can get that nicer car Mm -hmm. that's the same year as everybody else down the street. Mm -hmm. You don't get that 89 (laughs) Honda Civic. Mm -hmm. You stretch because that's how people unfortunately judge each other. And so I have an interesting motivation for you. I hear you saying, It is so hard to have these conversations. Why is it so hard? I have an interesting motivation for you. When you first meet somebody or when you first have that conversation of like, hey, you're gonna be in my wedding, you learn interesting information from every single interaction with somebody. So if you say, oh, I'm actually not able to really afford that, and that bride responds in a specific type of way, you've learned something about her that doesn't actually relate back to you. One of my favorite phrases is, it says more about them than it does about you. Mm -hmm. So how somebody responds to you, a perfect example when you're in the beginning of a relationship, and if you're the one that needs to be vulnerable about your financial situation, you learn something about your partner. Mm -hmm. And that is important information, like if you find out that somebody's gonna be judgy and be like, oh wow, you're poor, or blah, 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 or treat you different, You know who doesn't need to be in your life anymore.
1: So having it early is a very exactly good way to go about. Yep. But it's terrifying. Oh, yes. It's horrible. Yeah. And for folks that have a lot of fear, just naturally they're fearful people, that, that kind of conversation is like life or death. Yeah. People that have anxious minds, it's life or death.
2: Yep. And it's interesting, Kate, to hear you talk about vulnerability and how hard it is to be vulnerable, yet you were vulnerable here with us today. And I just met you today. And I think that's incredibly brave.
0: Well, I don't have to show you guys my checkbook,
2: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for, for saying that. I mean, I think, like, ultimately we use money and stuff, more so mm-hmm. stuff than just the money. Itself. It's like a measuring tool of, like, I can live in this kind of neighborhood where they require X percentage of stone on the front of your house, so I must really be somebody. hmm And it's like, you know, to my personal values, that's like counter to them because I'm like, no, every human has intrinsic value and potential for growth and change. And so like we are all equal in that way. But I let society tell me like, oh, that person must be better because of, you know, X, they're paid this much money for the work that they do. They really must be more valuable than
3: me, mm-hmm. very much so when you hear people say, oh, you're a doctor or, oh, you're an engineer mm-hmm. and it's automatically kicks you up a rung versus mm-hmm. everyone, like Kate said, you're all equal. We all have value just as we are, not with all the other stuff, but I, we want to be liked. We want to be part of the group. We want to be, you know, humans are, we're group type creatures. In order to survive, we needed to be part of a group. And we are still that way, to stand alone and be like, I can't, or I'm sorry, or this isn't going to work. It's a very not fun place to be.
2: Yeah. It's so funny to hear you talk about, oh, you're a doctor. I've gotten that ever since I got my master's. People are like, oh, ooh, you have your master's. Ooh, you're a therapist. But they don't know that my first job felt chivalrous in giving me 32000 a year. You know, like nobody did anything with that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's funny. We have these markers of success, mm-hmm. and uh, it makes me think about Anna Delvey. Has anyone heard that story?
0: Mm-mm.
2: She literally fabricated her own royalty status. Yeah, there's a Netflix show coming mm-hmm. out about this. And um, she literally made herself into a socialite and lived the life in New York. And she actually was just from somewhere in the US. She wasn't anybody, but she knew how to dress herself in the markers. And people
1: believed her. I watched that actually now that you're Did mentioning it. You? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she like made herself an elite. Yeah. Going to like the White House for events. But she would do simple excuses that I think we're all guilty of at one point in our life. She'd go, Oh, I forgot my wallet. Oh, I forgot my card. You charge it, I'll I'll pay you back. And then she just wouldn't. And so it became massive debt, but she just decided. And then I think she went to prison and still said, I'd do it all over again.
2: She probably had a great time. Right.
1: I think that's what it was. And her values lied in status, not not necessarily how she was going to get there. It was, I want the status.
0: Can you imagine the amount of shame that
1: all these people
0: around her who are covering her must have felt to not caught her earlier on of like, you know, if you just would have asked her to pay you back, (laughs) like maybe would have stopped this
1: before That's how it got she out ca- hand. That's how she got caught, though. Well, Somebody finally said, I got to make my credit card payment.
0: I want to meet that person because I think they're very emotionally healthy.
1: <laughs> That's the brand it's, it's a good show. You should watch it. I think you would love it. It's very intriguing. But I, yeah, it does. it's a good example of how we decide what our
3: our values are and
1: what we're going to go for and keeping up with the Joneses. Looks different for everyone, but for her, it was massive debt yeah massive Mm -hmm. manipulation and things like that
2: it's funny because we all think we don't do it but we all Mm -hmm. do it at some level I think I read something at some point that an Instagram photo on average is ten thousand dollars to create that photo of all the things that are in that photo Mm -hmm. the time the the accessories everything
1: huh that's interesting I'm just thinking about my range and my
0: hood and my
1: cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it totally is ten thousand yeah, dollars. <laughs> that vacation <laughs> that we took, the pictures. Exactly. Yeah, yep. that's interesting.
3: Hmm. But we do it to be liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do it to fit in. We do yeah. it to be part of something yeah. for the likes, for the shares, yeah, for all the things.
0: I feel like there's this like line too, because it's like on the one hand, there's Beauty, like I want to enjoy beauty. I want to enjoy a comfortable home. I want to have those things in my life. But on the other hand, I don't want to just be doing those things for status of Mm -hmm. like, am I going on this trip to connect with my spouse and relax and have fun? Or am I doing it because it's like a status symbol and we're just gonna sit there on our phones and ignore each other, mm-hmm. but in a new location that's beautiful to take pictures of? And I feel like can, that's my struggle of just always making sure that I'm making this decision of like, I'm gonna do this thing or spend this money for a purpose and not just because I think it's what I it should do or that's mm-hmm. what it's, it's expected or it's gonna look good to other people. Like, we literally had this discussion about the size of like, Um, the baseboards in our house that we just built of, like, oh, do we want the large baseboards everywhere or just in the main rooms? And I was asked my husband, I'm like, are you wanting to do them everywhere because you think you should or because, like you actually want them. And he's like, oh, I think it's just because I think when people come in, they'll think it's an expensive mm-hmm. looking house. <laughs> it was like, "Great example. I don't think it's worth the $1,800 to have them everywhere then. <laughs> That's a really good example.
3: <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, Like
0: we literally yeah. had that conversation of like, why do we want this? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. 100% aesthetic. It doesn't, and not to say that aesthetics don't have a place. Like sometimes It is okay to fill your life with beauty, but, like, they're
1: baseboards. (laughs) It's not a beautiful piece of artwork. (laughs) Right. So I have a a question for each of you, if you have this. Do you know anyone in your life that does the opposite, where maybe they have a lot more money, but they live the opposite? They are not going with keeping up with the Joneses. Do you have anybody in your life that you could give an example of, like, what they do – that is kind of strikingly different than other people?
3: I think I do. I mean, there's a couple of folks that automatically come to mind and to Camille's point, they are the folks who drive the Honda Civic Mm -hmm. and they have a backup car. That's actually an older car than their 2002 Honda Civic. They've lived in the same house for 30 years. Mm -hmm. They've saved their money. They've also, when they had kids, you know, told them that they're going to be in charge of part of their education. They're not getting a brand new car. They're not getting a credit card. They have a job when they can start working and they take, you know, meaningful trips to Kate's point. Mm -hmm. You know, they have done the things that they want to do, but on the flip side, then they're also the folks who, you know, they're like, if I want to work part-time, I'm going to work part-time. If I want to work at all, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to do exactly what I want on the day today Mm -hmm. and I'm going to call the shots at this point. They aren't tied down by debt and they do exactly what they want most of the time.
1: Interesting. What do you think is their drive behind that?
3: I think part of it is that they more than likely grew up in households where it wasn't that way and they saw the scraping together or they were individuals where then when they got out of high school and college and they got into that debt themselves and said, I don't like this feeling. I don't like being here. I'm going to change it. Hmm. Because the individuals that I see when it comes down to wellness outside of financial wellness, something happened where they said no more. Like either I got on the scale and it wouldn't read at the doctor's office or I got on the airplane and the seatbelt wouldn't buckle and they had to move me or give me an extender. Mm -hmm. That moment in time changed their outlook on, I'm not doing this anymore.
1: That's an interesting point. Like wellness is beyond just physical Mm -hmm. wellness. It can be financial. And so you're saying in your experience, people can have those experiences financially where they go, no more, I'm not doing this anymore. But there's usually like a, almost like a light switch where some people experience that financially. And yes. Then they start
3: saving or being different. Yes. They got the call from the collector or mm-hmm. they went out to dinner with their special somebody and the card got denied and then the card after that got denied and the card after that got denied.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: they were just like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't working. And nor do I want to do life like this.
1: Interesting. Awesome. What about Camille or Kate? Do you guys have anybody... That you know of that lives a very different lifestyle. I actually
0: have an aunt and it's funny because she and her husband are very well off. He's worked really hard and um, sold some companies and so they do great Um, and she especially lives so frugally like still buys clothes on consignment Mm -hmm. doesn't eat out a ton just lives frugally and like For her, I don't know if there's a story like that of, like, you know, I'm never letting that happen again type story, but she just has this sort of perspective of, like, it's not worth it. Like, Mm. I can buy a shirt that's $10 or I can buy a shirt that's $300, but it's still a shirt. And so Mm. to her, like, she just has this strong point of view on, like, the value of a dollar and Mm. she chooses the more frugal option and so there may be more there Mm. because even as you're talking like i can think of my moment of like the no more moment with money (laughs) and so she probably does have a story like that Hmm. interesting
1: camille do you know anyone
2: it's an interesting one she's literally a millionaire Mm -hmm. and she does really really super well was a doctor and her husband was a doctor and, you know, still collects royalties off of stuff they created and stuff like that. Uh, She literally, like, I'll ask her about her sweater and she'll be like, oh, it's a 40-year-old sweater. (laughs) Oh, anything that's made nowadays when it's 40 years old, that sweater is going to be threads. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of is just an interesting thing of like wow they really did make stuff better back then <laughs> yeah. uh but she's interesting too though because she's got a six-bedroom house that's really well put together and she's remodeled it several times and you know she's got the antiques that she's really proud of and mm-hmm. you know so she does kind of do that thing for show but she drives a super outback mm-hmm. and it's probably like a 2004 Mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting like she has her way of kind of showing off but she also has her way of like i don't i don't know anything that she's bought new Mm -hmm. in a long time
0: yeah well and like we can't even know her motivation of like
2: maybe those
1: antiques just bring her great joy Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i have a similar story i know somebody that um has a lot of money but you wouldn't know it but his his values lie in experiences and he has children. And he said, we live frugally now. They don't eat out a lot. They don't buy new cars, things like that. Because he said, if I want to take a $13,000 vacation next week, I can do it because that's what he wants that he wants to give his kids experiences. So it's kind of what you were talking about, Camille, where maybe her values are the show house and certain things, but she's going to live frugally to get that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. That's, Kind of how I, I'm a big proponent of your money is lies with your values. And I think mm-hmm. i heard that from you, Kate, one time. I'm like, that's exactly what I think. And now you're putting it into words. So it's interesting when you meet people to see where their values lie and what motivates them to get there.
0: Oh, we were just talking about this because, you know, we we just went to Hawaii. It, we're having a ba- another baby in May and it was like our last shot to go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... It was like, oh, you know, this is kind of a big deal. We're spending so much money. Should we be doing this? And, but then I was like, you know what? We don't spend a lot of money on decorations in our house. Like, we make choices Mm
2: -hmm. so that we
0: can travel and that we can have these experiences because that's what we really enjoy. And so, like, we don't need to feel guilty about spending a lot of money on going to Hawaii because we can, we've chosen to cut back in other areas so that we can afford it. And, like, don't let guilt steal the joy of, (laughs) Mm -hmm. of
3: that. Yeah, absolutely. That was my next thought, too, was, you know, people, there is shame in spending money as well. Like, oh, you're going to that restaurant or Mm -hmm. you bought that $300 shirt. Like, what if you get something on it? I mean, kind of tight mentality Mm -hmm. or I know I've done it to my boyfriend before where he buys something. I go, how much did you spend on that? (laughs) And he's like, it doesn't matter. I wanted it. I'm like, "Okay, you're right. You are right. I have a tip for you. If you ever marry this boyfriend,
0: (laughs) you each need your own bucket of money Uh that there's, like, no questions asked because that is Mm -hmm. a game changer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, like, I would do that to my husband, too. Like, really? You want to spend that much money on a video game subscription? Like, and I have my judgment because I would never, ever do that. Mm -hmm. But that's what he wants to do. And so Mm -hmm. once we, like quartered off that money where it's like, that's your money, you do whatever you want, no questions asked, yeah. as long as it's legal. Um then <laughs> it was huge because you're just like, I can do what I want and I won't get judged. And he can do what he want and I'm not
1: gonna judge him either. Win-win for everybody across yes. the board. Yes. I do that as a single person. I have a coffee budget, a line item for coffee, because that's kind of my splurge. And I and the the guy I'm dating now, he he talks about that a lot. It's like why would you spend 3 $4 in a coffee. I'm like, well, I don't do other things. I don't go to the movies. I am not. I don't have a hobby. Like, coffee is my hobby. So I put that in my budget. And that's okay. And he's learning that that's not, he can't shame me for it because I feel no shame for it. Because I'm budgeting this. But it's also the first thing to go if money gets tight. And I understand that. So I love the idea. I tell people all the time, you have to have your, your bucket of money that you can spend on anything. And in a partnership, it has to be agreed upon that no matter what they do, there can't you can't shame them for it. So if you want to spend it on on video games, go for it. Right, and if shame I spend
0: him. it on American Girl doll memorabilia, he can't say anything either. Like,
2: <laughs> you just got to own it. Exactly. Exactly. That is the antidote to shame: is to just own it unapologetically and be like, nope, this this is it. And at some level, that's validating yourself. And so, yeah.
1: Okay, let's dive into this because that was like really profound what you just said. I love it. Um, Okay, I'm thinking in terms of students who have student loan debt. Uh And so I am one of those that my friends all have student loan debt. Um, And we are all very angry and shameful at our university for not informing us, which is kind of a passion behind what I do to inform people of these decisions. But even now, as we write the check, we're like, I'm super mad at myself for choosing this university because now I'm paying this bill. But we often try to own it with each other. We'll go, you know what, we made this decision, we knew what we were doing, it wasn't the best, but so how do you like, walk through these really hard conversations of like, how do you own something that hurts so bad, <laughs> that is so hard?
2: So the first step on that one is you gotta look back on your past self with empathy. They didn't know what they didn't know. That is, oh, that, is I love that gem. So once you look at that past self and be like, with the information that they had, they made the best choice that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I went to nebraska Wesleyan, private university, more expensive. With what I knew then, that was the best place to go to for a psychology degree. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I was tested and pushed harder at nebraska Wesleyan than I was in my master's. So I walked into my master's and I didn't know it. I was ready to go. And there were other people that, that weren't, you know. So, yeah, it was expensive. But at the end of the day, I got something from it. And that version of me made a choice. And I'm proud of her for it.
0: Hmm.
1: That's Powerful stuff. <laughs> so look cool. back on those decisions with some empathy. Yeah. To kind of counteract the shame. Yeah,
2: because you're, you're using hindsight mm-hmm. to shame your past self. Yeah, and so that's literally not part of the equation at all.
0: Hmm. Can't mm. be like it's like so illuminating. Of like, uh-huh. I'm so hard on my past self of who didn't have the same information mm. as yep. current self. Yeah, yes. and like I mean, I see that in business too. But <laughs> like, yeah. but it's just yeah,
3: yeah. wow. I have a little more empathy for past yeah. me. Mm-hmm. We see the same thing with wellness as far as how did I let myself get here. Mm. Mm. whether that was 15 years of smoking, that was, you know, 40 pounds overweight. It's like, okay, in that time frame, we also have to take into consideration you had two kids. Mm -hmm. You know, your mom passed away in a super stressful time and you picked up the habit or whatever that may be. It's how do we move forward? How do we take that, understand that, and move forward so that we either, A, don't make those same choices or know that when those situations come up, we know what to do instead of saying, I'm a bad person, I can't believe I let myself get there, and say, that happened, I understand what happened, how do I make better choices for tomorrow? Exactly. Do you have a
1: lot of conversations with people in the business world about that type of thing?
3: Most people, when we talk about specifically like weight, nutrition, physical wellness, a lot of it does come from the shame, mental health, as far as most of us don't say, oh, I'm gonna gain 40 pounds. It usually comes from a place of I got extremely stressed out at work. I started to binge eat because I don't have better coping mechanisms as far as talking to my manager about, hey, I'm overwhelmed having those hard conversations or taking the vacation, those sorts of pieces. And so it comes out in other ways. But again, then we have to address those things because, okay, we go through the personal training, we go through the nutrition and you get to the point where now, okay, we're back at. The, I'm really stressed out at work. My coping mechanism is to eat and eat everything in sight. Okay. How do we work through that? Because we're never going to then run from that with personal training and nutrition. We just can't get away from that. We need to build in better coping mechanisms, whether that's calling a parent or calling a friend or going on a walk with the dog or saying, Hey, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to take a day off tomorrow, go into the weekend on a good note, come back on Monday, have the conversation with my boss about how I'm really overwhelmed at the moment Mm -hmm. because we tend to turn to other things besides those hard conversations because they are hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's
2: so important to have a wellness person to have that conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. I had a previous supervisor that wanted to talk to me about my burnout at work, and I'm not telling her how that was going Mm -hmm. because she's the one that's filling my schedule and she needs it full for her reasons but a wellness instructor doesn't have a chip in that game. Mm-hmm. They can just be like, Oh, you are kind of seeming burnt out from this conversation. And they, you can be a little more open, it's a little safer. Mm-hmm. Whereas that supervisor, I didn't tell her nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You you're gonna tell me something, because I think the one time I did kind of say something, she was she was like, Oh, this is what we have to do. Like this is you know, this is our job. And she kind of like threw it back into other stuff. And I was like, okay, never bringing that up again to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think that's awesome that, cause, cause when you're in survival mode, when you're burnt out, you don't think. Mm-hmm. You just do, you just get to the next second and, and you try to do it as easily and as simply without as much change
3: as possible. Yeah. So I see this a lot with like new moms for example, they come back to work and I want to lose weight. And it's I ask them, okay, but what else is going on? Like, are you A, getting enough sleep? Mm. You know, do you have a supportive spouse at home? Financially, you know, are things looking okay for you? Because if I tell you, okay, on your already not enough sleep schedule yeah. and all these other things you just packed into it, plus coming back to work, yes, let's do another hour of personal training for the time you already don't have. Mm-hmm. And now you're either having these physical changes that you may or may not be somewhat concerned about. And then seeing through social media and magazines that I'm supposed to look a certain way after the three month mark, you may feel very uncomfortable about who you are and your own kind of standing. And it's like, okay, let's look at what's going to be best for you. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's saying, okay, once a month, I'm going to take a day to myself and do exactly whatever I need to do. And that will be more beneficial for you than a work than a weekly personal training session with Mm me. Way more beneficial.
1: I wish somebody would have given me that idea. Take one day off a month or like an afternoon and just go down your laundry list of go to the bank, call this person, do all these like things that you can't do. Yes. Especially when it comes to bills or something like that. Maybe you got to go to the DMV and get this over with. It's such a good idea. (laughs)
3: The boyfriend and I, we take opposite days. So if he takes a day off, I won't take it off Mm. because then that way he can get his own stuff done. We're not trying to coordinate. We're not trying to do things together. It's just you have your own day. And then I do the same. I take – like I'm taking Valentine's Day off and he's like, I hope you don't do anything for me. I'm like, no, this is totally my day to love myself. This is not you. This is not about you. He's like, good. I'm glad. I worked a job – like right when my my husband and I started dating where I
0: had to work usually at least one weekend day. So then I'd always have a day off during the week. And that was like a magical day because nobody's available to hang out with you, but everything is open. (laughs) So you can get all of your stuff done and you aren't distracted and you can actually just focus on your own needs. I think that is probably one of the biggest challenges, especially now that I'm a mom. It's like, Oh, the weekend! I need to do eleven things to keep my household running, plus spend time with my toddler, who I don't see that much during the week mm-hmm. because of work, and um, oh, try to take care of myself. Like, <laughs> someone explain how to pack
1: all that into yeah.
0: forty-eight hours, because I'm
1: still figuring it out. That's so good. That's so good. One of the common themes I'm hearing, though, is that like your your health and wellness, it. It's financially related, but it's also physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all these things coming together. Because if you're healthy mentally, you'll get more traction possibly on your finances because you can think more clearer, things like that. So it's all interconnected.
0: Well, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like, oh, you know, sometimes like I used to cope with emotional distress with just like, I'm just going to buy this thing Mm -hmm. because I I think I can. And it makes me feel powerful. Like, I'm just going to buy this thing. And that ended up, like, getting me into trouble in terms of finances of, like, oh, I'm not really keeping track of where my money's going. And then I'm having not having these difficult conversations with my spouse because I don't know how to deal with the stress. I can't explain that it's not about the thing. It's about, like, the emotional turmoil going on. That's why I'm spending money. And so it's just interesting to think about, like, Yeah, budget is good, but also without the communication tools and the addressing of, like, the burnout or the shame that I was experiencing, the budget would have never worked. Mm
1: -hmm. And how it's all, it's holistic. Like, you have to approach it holistically. So how do you do that if you're single, though? If you don't have a partner to bounce this stuff off of?
2: Support system. Friends. Mom or dad. Sibling. Mm -hmm. um, Anyone who you can talk to about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say.
1: Find your person.
2: Yeah, and i that's what I try to do with most of my clients that I work with. Like, let's find you people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want them all interconnected. All my friends are in these individual little bubbles. So I have a friend that I do this with, I have a friend that I do that with, I have a friend that I do that with. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's all balanced really well. And if one part is kind of out, like I have a friend that just built a house, She's now pregnant and it's just a lot going on in her life. So I haven't seen her in mm-hmm. a little bit and that's okay because I've got things other places. Hmm. So
1: balance it out. Yep. Well, as we wrap things up, I would love to know some practical tips to kind of move forward from shame or money mistakes and just kind of getting back on track.
2: I think the, big starting point for anybody is to build that foundation of just self-worth and kind of being good with yourself, being good with the past, and just kind of owning whatever has happened so that you can move forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think an affirmation I have to tell myself in regards to some of these things and the shame with money is that my worth as a human is not tied to my salary, car drive, the neighborhood I live in, any of that, it and that, you know, society may tell me that, but that's not true, and that's not what I believe is true about us as humans, and so that's something that takes reminding constantly, but I think it's a really important mind frame to start from when thinking about these things and the relationships that come from them.
2: I'm really glad you said it that way, because that makes me think about one of my favorite things to tell my clients is, we all have a gold coin in our pocket we can't give it away it can't be taken away it's just something that we all naturally have and nobody gets more nobody gets less beyonce doesn't have another gold coin we all only have one and you literally can't lose it it doesn't matter what you do in life we're still going to make sure that you get your last meal of whatever you want to be and we've kind of made that choice as a society and it's hard to see it you got to look for it really hard but we've made that choice as a society that we all have this basic Mm self-worth we try to buy more but it doesn't work Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i know when i'm working with individuals more on the wellness side talking about physical wellness is you're not stuck in today do what you can today let's make a plan for tomorrow but i mean when we talk about finances is it you know, call your credit card company and explain what's going on. How can we work through these things? And I also bring up, you know, have the conversation with your spouse. If you want to eat healthier, let them know this is what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. so that they can be there to support you because none of us are mind readers and we all need that little bit of support on different days. And it may be the, hey, I'm going to make sure you don't snooze your alarm 17 times so you go to the gym. <laughs> it might be that I'm not going to buy your favorite brownie when I walk into the bakery, but it's just making sure that you have that support and that you're not stuck in today.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also when it comes to money is kind of being vulnerable with those people in your life, whether it's your friends who you're going to be eating out with or going on a trip with or your spouse of just saying like, I want connection. I want to be included. I want to have belonging and but I have these real money limitations and, you know, sitting comfortably and confidently in the fact that, like, those money limitations aren't a judgment or a value judgment. or They're not a defective part of you. And it doesn't make you any less desirable to be in relationship with. And so just really making sure that you can have those conversations with people. Because I think that ultimately good friends, good spouses, like those people in your life,
1: they'll support you mm-hmm. if you'll just open up and tell them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a super interesting conversation. A lot of really really good perspectives around shame and money. One thing, Camilla, you said that I'll, I wrote down was look at your decisions, your past decisions with empathy. And I think that that's really a healthy way of looking at money mistakes. It kind of wraps up the whole idea of wellness, overall wellness when it comes to money. And then shame is a long-term um, feeling. So owning it and then addressing it is a way to counteract that shame. Yep. And I just think that's... Just really insightful. So just want to thank each of you for being on Money Better today. It's been a really good first episode of season three. Um, so thanks, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank us. you. Yes, thank you. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.